Good morning, Third Street. Good morning. How y'all feeling? Blessed. Decent. He said, I heard something. Good. It's good. It's good. I hope that that individual speaks for our whole community. Well, if you don't know me, uh, my name is Corey. Uh, I am uh, one of the pastors here at Third Street Community Church. And this morning, uh, I get to live into my favorite, one of my favorite purposes uh, and probably my favorite part of uh, my job description, which is to be here with you all to bring forth uh, the word of our Lord. And uh, this morning, we are continuing, this is week two of our series called Distracted. Church, if you're with me this morning, say distracted. Distracted. Nah, say it like God put breath in your lungs. Distracted. Say, God, I'm trying to be in your word, and I ain't trying to be distracted. I ain't trying to be distracted. KT, Pastor KT kicked us off last week. Uh, what a great way to uh, start our series. See, uh, I don't know if y'all know this, but we're living in a church calendar in a post-Pentecost season, which means uh, we are acknowledging that we have all been empowered by the Holy Spirit to live a life on mission. We have been empowered with with everything that we need to live into God's kingdom purpose in our lives, in the places and spaces that he is so, in his infinite wisdom, so strategically placed us. But many of us are still wrestling with that purpose. Many of us are are still wrestling with direction and focus. The Spirit of God is is with us and has given us everything we need, but we still find ourselves wandering. We are distracted. This morning, I would invite you to turn in your physical Bibles uh, to the book of Numbers. Yeah, that's in the Old Testament. It's not one that you go to often. Uh, We're going to have a little bit of fun this morning. We're going to go to the book of Numbers. If you have your physical Bibles, it's in the Old Testament. It's one of the first five. It's one of the first five books of the Bible. We call that the Pentateuch. I want you to go to uh, chapter 20. It's indicated by the big number 20 in your Bible. And we're going to start reading in verse 1. If you do not have your physical Bibles with you, that's all good. It's all good. We got it right up here on the screen for you. And I will give you a faithful reading. I promise. This is Numbers chapter 20. We're starting in verse 1. The Word of God says this. The entire Israelite community entered the wilderness of Zin in the first month. And they settled in Kadesh. Miriam died and was buried there. There was no water for the community, so they assembled against Moses and Aaron. The people quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. Why have you brought the Lord's assembly into this wilderness for us and our livestock to die here? Why have you led us up from Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It's not a place of grain, figs, vines, and pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Then Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the doorway of the tent of meeting, and they fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the staff and assemble the community. You and your brother Aaron are to speak to the rock while they watch, and it will yield its water. You will bring out water for them from the rock and provide drink for the community and their livestock. So Moses 
took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he had commanded him. Moses and Aaron summoned the assembly in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels. Ugh, so harsh. Must we bring water out of this rock for you? Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with his staff so that the abundant water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me to demonstrate my holiness in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this assembly into the land I have given them. These are the waters of Meribah, where the Israelites quarreled with the Lord, and he demonstrated his holiness to them. Yeah, we're going to have fun today. Back when I was in college, uh, after I had transferred to uh, the local Christian university, I uh, began studying courses in uh, Bible and theology, Uh, not because I wanted to be a pastor. As a matter of fact, I really didn't want to be a pastor. I just really found the courses to be interesting, and I didn't know what else to study, so I figured I might as well go along with what I was most energetic about. As long as I got to be in school anyway, I might as well learn about something that I find to be Uh, interesting. And so I'm taking theology courses and it comes to my junior year. And one of the courses that I had to take my junior year was a preaching class. Now, what's important for those of us that are in the broader community and society and not at a small private Christian university to understand is that actually at a small private Christian university, preaching is actually super cool right? It's like super backwards of the rest of the world where like being a nerd and how much you know actually adds status points, right? It's really weird, right? And so the preaching class was super cool. That wasn't just our justification for those of us who were nerds in the department. That's, that's like actually the truth. And people would literally attend the preaching class that weren't even in the preaching class based on who was preaching that week, That's true. People would look up the lineup to see whose week it was in the syllabus to be like, oh, they're preaching this week? Bet. I'm going to pull up. And so the week finally arrived that it was my turn. It was me and two of my classmates. And I don't know how this happened, but the Lord really just smiled on our class this day because I swear to you, like, not to like boast, but literally the three best preachers in class were all going the same day. I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. And humble. Super humble. That's my dad. Yeah, thank you for that. Glad you're always there. You are always there to ruin a good time. Listen, this was going to be a good day. All through campus that day, everybody's talking about, I'm coming tonight. I'm pulling up. We're going to fill this venue. Everybody's coming to preaching class tonight. Not only the students that are supposed to be there, but people who didn't even have to be there. They were all coming tonight. And I got so caught up in everybody coming tonight that it was about an hour before class. And I was like, oh, shoot. What am I speaking on? And so I had to scramble and look what I had agreed to preach on. It was I'll never I'll never forget this class. It was Colossians 2. And at the time. I didn't know anything about Colossians 2. I didn't know anything about Colossians. I had to look up who wrote it. I didn't know. I didn't know. I don't even remember agreeing to preach on that. It may have just been assigned to me. I have no clue. 
But I was like, I don't know anything about this. But there's about to be so many people there. I can't let the people down. I got to pull something out the, out the air. <laughs> and I got up there. And I saw people coming in. I saw my classmates coming in. I saw other theology nerds coming in. I saw my brothers and sisters who were pagans and athletes. They were coming in. That, those aren't synonymous. They just coincidentally were both. It just coincidentally were both. It's a coincidence. It's a coincidence. It's a coincidence. And I saw him. I got up there. And I entertained for 20 minutes, right? I entertained. During my talking, people laughed, people shouted, and at the end, people clapped. And then it was time for feedback. And I got all the praise from my classmates that I had been anticipating. And then it was the professor's turn. And he said something to me, and I've shared it in here before, but I'm giving you the full story now. He said something to me that has stuck with me and has been a trigger for me ever since now that I exist in this world permanently. <laughs> um, he said to me, Corey, I don't ever want you to mistake passion for content. He said, you did a whole lot. You entertained. You got everyone reacting. But you wasted a good opportunity to say something. I didn't say nothing. Why? Because I was distracted. I was more caught up in humoring the crowd than I was delivering on God's word. I was more caught up trying to be somebody than I was being the person God told me to be. I was more caught up trying to appeal to an audience than appeal to the one who enlisted me in the first place. Sometimes I think we get caught catering to the people and that causes us to be distracted from doing what God said. And listen to me very carefully, the way he said to do it. There are other voices that are around us. And a lot of times those other voices around us, and this is biblical, they get so loud that they drown out the still quiet voice of the Holy Spirit telling us what to do. The voices of our social media feed, the voices of our community, the voices of our preferred news media outlet get so loud that it tends to drown out the voice of God inside of us. And even in our good and I would say somewhat godly intentions, we lose effectiveness because we care more about pleasing others than we do about demonstrating God's faithfulness and holiness, even when it doesn't feel like those two things are going to be appealing. I would like to tag our time this morning distracted by the crowd. The Israelites, the Israelites have been freed at this point 
in Numbers 20. They had been freed from Egypt. They were in slavery. This is actually a really big historical event. event. So much so that even non-Christians recognize this historical event. Yo, there's whole movies made about this historical event, right? The Prince of Egypt, my kids are on that right now, right? Like, it's a whole, it's whole cinema, it's whole, it's whole history built and based off of the fact that God freed the Hebrew people, God freed the Israelites from their enslavement in Israel. This is a pretty big deal. But by this point in Numbers 20, the wandering in the wilderness after being freed had been going on for quite some time right? They were free. There was all this energy. There was the parting of the Red Sea and it was really dope. And Moses and his staff, and we were running and we're like, yeah, (laughs) sucker, we're coming back. Ah." And then we get out here and it's been so long that that excitement wears off. We forget about that climactic moment that God gave us. We forget about it in our daily rhythms because it's hard out here with no covering. It's hard out here when we're looking for something that we feel like we can't find. And pretty soon it gets to a point where in this season it's hot. It's hot in this gym. It's hot in these streets. Sometimes it's hard to eat. Sometimes it ain't nothing to drink. And all of us out here looking thirsty, you know what I mean? The wandering had gone on for so long that the people began to groan. Ain't no food out here. Ain't no water. We'd have been better back there. Dead. Slaves. You ever had something in your life get so bad that you forget what God freed you from and you end up running right back to it? That's personal. Said we'd have been better back there, Moses. And they turned to Moses and they're like, yo, you got to do something, Moses. They wish they would have died. They wish they would have stayed in slavery. They wish they would have never followed Moses in the first place. Real quick for free. This has nothing to do with the rest of my sermon, but I can't not acknowledge this. Just like super quick, real quick. It has nothing to do with anything. It's a free side note. It's going to bless somebody in here. You know what I love about this part is, is I love the loyalty of Aaron right here. Because Aaron had the perfect opportunity when it says the people assembled against them. Moses was the leader. Moses was the one that God used to free him. Aaron low-key came along like a little bit after the fact, right? Aaron had the perfect opportunity to be like, yeah, Moses, matter of fact, right? Aaron had the perfect opportunity to put up that self-preservation and to distance himself from Moses and was like, that was him, guys. That was him. I don't know. He said he heard from the Lord or whatever. And so I don't know. That was him, but he didn't. He didn't do it. He stayed right there because he believed in Moses and he believed in God and he believed that Moses had heard from God. How many of us are out here distancing ourselves from people who hear from the Lord How many of us are out here looking to appeal to the crowd when in all reality, all that we need is Aaron? That's for free. Has nothing to do with anything else. But the very people that Moses had been called to set free turned on him, 
while looking to fulfill a need. Before I can go any further this morning, you know I got three questions for us to process. Summer's a good time to be introspective and to really evaluate some stuff. So we're going to assess ourselves today. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm coming for you. I, 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 just, I just need us to process some things this morning. So we got to process three things. The first of which is this. It's a two-part question. Number one, who's your crowd? And what's their cry? Who's your crowd and what's their cry? Who are the people in your life that is is real loud? Who are the people in their life that, that their voice in your life is loud? Who are the people that that you most influence? Maybe it runs the other way this season. Who are the people that most influence you? I know that there's at least more of a few of you, like myself, that are like, I don't care what nobody thinks. I ain't trying to please nobody. False. That's a lie. That's you putting up a front. You ain't tough. God sees you. You're trying to please somebody. It might not be the people... It might not be the people leading with their emotions or the feelings, but it's almost definitely the people who are leading with their competence. You're trying to appear competent. You're trying to appear put together. Who are the people that you're trying to please so desperately? Who are the people whose needs that you're actively trying to meet right now in your life? Who is your crowd? And what need are they pleading with you to meet? Maybe it's not with you. Maybe it's in the broader public, right? What's, what's the need that your crowd is, is, is calling out for? Who's your crowd? It could be a calling. Or it could just be you wanting to be included. But either way, who's your crowd? Because here's the thing. God strategically places us in proximity to people he wants us to influence. Amen. I don't know who been told the lie here this morning that you're not a leader. Okay, somebody in here has been told that lie. And I want to go ahead and rebuke that in Jesus name, because all of us have been given influence in lives. And God is strategically placing you right now in proximity to people because that's the way he works. That's his strategy. God is placing you in proximity to people in order to influence them, not for them to influence you. They want you to cause them to look more like him rather than cause you to look more like them. You feel me? Moses was an Israelite. This is how you know God's strategy works out. Moses was an Israelite. He was a Hebrew person. But don't forget, he was placed in a basket and sent up the river. He was separated from the people that God wanted him to most influence. That was a ploy of the devil. He said, I'm going to separate this boy. I'm going to get this boy out of this community. This boy, I look at Moses, and even the devil recognized the freedom in Moses' eyes. And so the devil said, we're going to separate him. And so Moses grew up around Egyptians. But wouldn't you know it, it was then that the Egyptians enslaved the Hebrew people. So even in the attempt for the devil to separate Moses from his own people, he ends up growing up in close proximity to him anyway. Isn't that just like God? He ends up growing up to be the one that sets him free anyway. Isn't that just like God? God right now is placing you in close proximity to people that he wants you to influence. And it's about time that the people that I'm looking at, 
the people in this crowd, I'm taking some things for granted. I'm assuming that you are done being the sheep. I'm assuming that you're done being a part of the crowd and you're recognizing your role to influence the crowd. That's what I'm assuming about you right now. And it's about time that the people that I'm speaking to begin to take their role amongst people as one who is called to set people free, not one who is called to solely entertain or just empathize with a crowd. The Lord requires your compassion, your mercy, your empathy, but it does not stop there. You are called to influence. So then here's what happened. Moses and Aaron then go and they fall on their face before the Lord. When's the last time you cried out in prayer or praise for those that you were trying to influence instead of just yourself. That's for free. Moses fell on his face in prayer over the needs of the community that he wanted to lead and influence. And the Lord told him, all right, Moses, I see you. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to take this staff. You're going to go out. You're going to assemble the people before the rock. And I want you to speak to the rock. I want you to speak to the rock. Water is going to flow from that rock. Huh? Yep. Water is going to flow from that rock. And it's going to be the water that these people need to quench their thirst. And so this is what Moses does. He assembles the people. He took the staff, just as the Lord said. Right? He assembled the people, just like the Lord said. And then just before he goes to carry out the rest of God's command, which was to what? Speak to the rock. He speaks all right, but who does he speak to? He speaks to the people. He doesn't speak to the rock. He picks up his staff, and before speaking to the rock to say, give them water, he turns and says, you rebels. He turns and says, you who have forgotten. He has some harsh words for the crowd. He's like, do I really need to do this because you've forgotten who you are? You've forgotten what you've been through. You've forgotten what God's done for you. You want some water? Here. And twice. He doesn't speak to the rock. He speaks to the crowd and he hits the rock. Now that might, that might mean nothing to you. And the dangers of casual reading will cause us to skip it. But is that what God told him to do? God told him to speak to the rock. He spoke to the crowd. And then he bludgeoned the rock. Moses got it half right. Let me ask you, what's your response to the needs of the crowd? What's your response to the needs of the crowd? Moses got it half right. He went and he fell on his face before the Lord. He got that part right. He fell on his face before the Lord. He prayed to God himself over the needs of the people. He got it right. He took the staff. He assembled the people. He got it right. And then he remembered how mad he was at those folks. He let the crowd influence him before he could deliver on its fullness. Are Are you going to God on behalf of the crowd? And then are you, upon delivery, are you allowing the crowd to influence your delivery? Or are you allowing the Lord to influence your your delivery? 
the Lord gives us instruction. You know, God, he's faithful yes. to tell us how to live righteous. Yes, sir. But what we do with it, <laughs> that's where we lose it. The way we carry it out. See, God's faithful to make sure that there's multiple ways we're hearing him, right? Sometimes we get in a season where we're like, you know, my prayer life just not hitting like it once was. I don't feel like I'm hearing God or receiving from God. Well, aren't you lucky that you have the Bible, which is his written word? Well, Pastor, you don't understand my circumstance because right now I'm having difficulty hearing from the Lord and I can't read, Pastor. So, so I can't. Well, aren't you lucky? That you have the example of Jesus Christ who perfectly embodied God's will to follow. Well, Pastor, you don't understand. See, I'm having trouble hearing from God. I can't read and I don't really know that much about Jesus. Well, then aren't you lucky that God strategically placed you at Third Street Community Church where there are so many people who are willing to come alongside you and walk this little thing out? There are so many ways that God appeals to us and gives us his instructions, but what we do with it varies on our emotions, doesn't it? What we do with it varies based on the people that we're trying to please with it, doesn't it? The Lord gives us instructions, but what we do with that instruction, see, some of us are so fearful of confrontation that we soften the delivery. Well, I think God has some water for us here somewhere. And maybe if we all just start our own journeys to find it, we'll come to the rock. It's right there. Some of us are so afraid about not being liked that we just hint at what we think the Lord wants us to do. Well, how would you feel, crowd, if I suggested perhaps that the Lord was going to bring us water from the rock? How would you feel about that? Meanwhile, some of us, like Moses, are so upset with the cries of the people because they've so clearly forgotten what God has done with them that instead of speaking eloquently to the condition that God told us to speak to, we bludgeon the rock. Oh, you want some? Oh, you need to see something? There, there, there. That's what you want to see? That's what you wanted, huh? What's your response? What's your response to the needs of the crowd? What are you doing? The Lord has told us to speak to the rock. When Jesus was being pursued by a crowd that he knew wanted to arrest him, he didn't didn't go and defend himself before the crowd. No, guys, you don't understand. I'm the Messiah. What'd he do? He went to the garden and he spoke to the rock. He said, rock, I mean, father, would you please let this cup pass from me? And if not, your will be done, right? When Jesus was then on the cross, because he had to see it through, my boy. When Jesus was on the cross and the crowd started screaming at him, if you were the son of God, you would just do this. Look at him, king of the Jews. He ain't anything. Ha, 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 ha. 
Jesus spoke not to the crowd. You don't know what you're doing. He didn't speak to the crowd. Ho, 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 if you only knew. Jesus spoke to the rock. He said, Father, forgive them because they tripping. Forgive them. They don't even understand what they're doing. Oh, but pastor, sometimes the rock isn't God. Sometimes the rock is an, immo- an, an immovable barrier. Oh, you mean like when the whole community that Jesus was facing was crying out over a demon-possessed man who was tearing up the village? Did you see Jesus in Mark chapter 5? Did you see him turn to the crowd and say, so what we're going to do today is, no, he went and he spoke to the rock. He said, you, demon, inside the boy. He didn't talk to the boy. He didn't talk to the crowd. He didn't talk to his father. He said, demon, come out. You got to go, right? Oh, you're talking about when Lazarus was dead and the entire community was like, he's dead. He's gone. He's not coming back. Jesus, if you were here earlier, Jesus, if only you would have listened. Jesus, if only he didn't speak to the crowd. He didn't, he didn't speak to the crying. He didn't speak to the stone. He said, Lazarus, the dead, the rock, come out here. You're alive. Get off those burial clothes, right? He didn't speak to the crowd. He spoke to the rock. The point is we got to stop being cute with the crowd. We got to stop catering to the crowd. We got to stop killing the crowd in the comment section. He didn't call you to justify anything on his behalf. He's already done it. His name is Jesus. He called you to speak to the rock. (laughs) The Lord sees right through it. He knows what we're doing. He knows what we're doing. He knew what what Moses was doing. Here's what I love about this passage. The last thing I'm going to point out to you, and then I promise I'm out your way. Here's what I love. Moses was not faithful to deliver the way that God told him to deliver. But God was faithful to deliver what he said he would deliver. Moses didn't follow the ingredients. And yet the Lord let the water flow from the rock anyway. Moses didn't listen to God, but it was in God's heart to meet the needs of his people. So despite Moses's ignorance, despite Moses's emotions, despite Moses's anger, despite Moses being more influenced by the crowd than he was the one who saved him in the first place, despite all of that, God was faithful to do what God said he wanted to do anyway. Thank God Thank God that when I get in my own way, God is still faithful to do in your life what he said he's going to do anyway. Thank God that your lack of hearing something quality from my preaching doesn't dictate your blessing. Thank God. Thank God that whether the worship team or not gets done in time for you to hit your lunch reservations or they sing the songs that you like doesn't determine your blessing. Thank God. Thank God a gathering of Sunday morning folks meeting your perfect preferences doesn't determine your blessing or the condition of God's life around you. Thank God, right? Because we get in our own way sometimes. But God is faithful to do what's in his heart to do anyway. But there was a consequence. What I love is who there was a consequence for. God didn't hold the community, the crying community accountable for Moses' emotion. He held Moses accountable. He says, because you did not trust me to demonstrate my holiness in the sight of the Israelites. He did not say because you punched a rock. He did not say because you, because you didn't follow the exact recipe. 
He saw right through that straight to the root of why we're behaving the way that we're behaving. He goes straight to the root. He said, because you didn't trust me. You didn't trust me to demonstrate my holiness in the sight of people who were upset. Moses had more faith in a rock producing water. Y'all feel that? Moses had more faith in a rock producing water than he had in God to convict and convert the hearts of the Israelites. He said, God, it is easier for me to believe that water will rush from this clump of dirt than it is that these heathens will see the error of their ways and turn back to you. It is easier for me to believe that this dry, dusty clump of dirt provides liquid nourishment than it is for me to believe that God has the ability to appeal to and transform the behaviors of an upset crowd. That's wild. God says, because you did not trust me, you will not bring this assembly into the land I have given them. Again, dangers of casual reading cause us to miss the significance of that. What he basically just said was the the carrot that I have dangled, the promise that I have made is that you will all see the promised land. But Moses, because you don't trust me, you're not going to get there. And that's hard because the people still got their needs met. But the consequence of Moses' action was that Moses got in his own way of his own blessing. Moses not trusting God caused the blocking of his blessing. I have to ask you just one more question, and then I promise I'm out your way. Do you trust God's faithfulness and holiness to hold up in the sight of the crowd? Do you trust God's faithfulness and holiness to hold up in the sight of the crowd? In other words, do you believe that if God appeared himself to the crowd, that the crowd, however hard-hearted they may be, would suddenly see faithfulness and holiness. Do you believe that? Because the reality, church, is that the root of why we deliver to the crowd, the way we deliver to the crowd, is that we don't trust God to be able to do all that is necessary to transform the hearts if we just do what he tells us to do. In other words, we don't believe God's relevant. We don't believe that God's instruction can break through the barriers of our society. We don't believe that God can speak to the condition of the broken and the hurting. We don't believe that God can speak and appeal to the condition of those, even those who are mad at the church. We change the way that we deliver things because when God gives us his instruction, we're like, okay, and then how do I package this so that they'll receive it? So what do we look like? We look like leaders assembling a crowd to pray for and even believe in miracles while simultaneously affirming the sins of those assembled. And then we sit back and we wonder, why am I not feeling blessed? Why do I feel like there is a block of God coming through? Because you're pandering to a crowd. 
because you're trusting your own ability to package the gospel to a crowd than you are the one who wrote the gospel in the first place. I wonder how many of us stop and think sometimes that maybe the reason I'm not experiencing the blessings and breakthrough God has for me is because I'm not delivering on God's promises the way that he intends. We're distracted by the crowd. What I love about Third Street as a whole, like as a whole church, as a whole community of people, is that what I see day in and day out is that we carry out God's commands in ways that meet tangible, practical needs of our communities. I see it every day. You guys do that, right? We carry out God's commands in ways that meet practicable, practical, tangible needs of our community around us. And so all I'm trying to say to the church at large that is gathered here is that I don't want us to get so caught up in the needs of people that we lose who God has called us to be and what God has called us to do. See, there is this tendency that we can run because I see it in other, in other ministries. There's a tendency where we can run that we care so much about what the loud voices in our lives think that we allow it to change the identity from which we function. The reality is we're so concerned about the crowd that we're trying to bring in or the crowd we're trying to appeal to or the issue we're trying to solve that we actually in the process lose the thumbprint of God. I see so many ministries that are more focused on the crowd Forgetting the fact that in some of the most famous instances of Jesus appealing to the crowd, he wasn't talking to them. He was talking to the ones he was called to. He was talking to his disciples. That's the Sermon on the Mount. That's feeding of the thousands. He didn't tell them, go out and get everybody to come hear this dope word. He sat down and he started teaching his homies. And people were like, he said, what? Hold up. And they gathered. Jesus spoke. Spoke to who you're supposed to speak to. I want to affirm God's faithfulness and holiness and God's ability to hold up in the eyes of broken communities. You have no idea what it is that's going to appeal to God. And it's not your job to be the attractive one. Because you're not the one that changes somebody's life. The Holy Spirit is. Right? So it's not up to you to package this all pretty. It's not up to you to find what is appealing to a community. It's up to you to speak to the rock, to embody the faithfulness and the holiness, the righteousness, the right living, the good standard of God. And trust that God is so powerful that even into the furthest in your mind of communities, he's relevant. I want to call out our obedience to delivering people and promises the way God instructs, inspires, and exemplifies. Because it's not, folks, the way we dress the gospel that will change the hearts of humanity. It is the God who wrote, lived out, and embodied the gospel that is faithful to deliver. Let's pray. Father God, We thank you 
that you, in the person of Jesus, embody the right way of living. We thank you that in your words that were inspired to be written down a really long time ago, you are still faithful to appeal to the needs of the community and embody faithfulness and holiness. God, we thank you through the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that dwells within us that that we are able to tap in to the commands and and the will that you have for ushering your people into the kingdom. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus, that we get to be a part of your speaking, your word to the rock. Lord, we want so desperately to experience your kingdom. We want so desperately for those in our lives to be able to experience what it is that your spirit is doing within us, that we sometimes, God, can't help ourselves. We sometimes can't help ourselves to go out of our way to send our own message alongside the message that that you have called us to embody. And so, God, we want to pray for forgiveness for that. Lord, we want to pray for for the ways that we've tried to dress you up. We we, we, We pray for forgiveness for the ways that we've changed the character of the person of Jesus. We pray for forgiveness for the ways that we've changed meanings of Jesus' words. We change for forgiveness for the ways that we've changed ethnicities that Jesus has embodied and the consequences thereof. God, we pray for forgiveness for not delivering the way that you have called us to, for not taking our influence with those around us serious enough. Lord, I pray that you would give us the patience with the crowds. Lord, I pray that you would give us the right perspective for the crowds. God, I pray that you would give us the wisdom and the discernment to know when it is time to speak. God, I pray that you would would use our anger and our hurt to embody your holiness rather than use it for an act of emotion that will cause us to get out of our own path on the way to your righteousness. God, we pray because we acknowledge that the path is narrow. We pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to speak, that we would be faithful to continue to listen, to follow the path that you have marked out and not doubt its relevance, not doubt what it can and can't do because we know as history and our life experience has proven that following your path does not lead us into temptation but delivers us from evil. We pray these things in Jesus' name. All who believe say, bless up.